Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to Death Do Us Part Podcast, hosted by my wife, Jamie. Hello. And myself, Mark. What up, y'all? Hey. Hey. I got wax on my screen. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> Whoops. Well, we have 127 candles. Listen, that... it's fucking ambiance. It okay? is. On top of the fact that I'm old and blind and you don't like the light. True. So got one of us has to on. see... Let me unplug this and replug it back in. Better? I guess. I guess, yeah. So, I'm going to talk funny. I have to apologize. I have a bad tooth. Need to pull that motherfucker. My fucking meth mouth is acting up, so. Let me pull it. No, fuck no. I'll pull it out. Out of your mind. The motherfucker. What? Pliers? You don't even know what fucking pliers are. Yeah, I do. No, you don't. I do. You don't. Whatever. Nice. Was that your phone that went off? No. Was it yours? No. My phone is on silent. So is mine. Oh, maybe it was the computer. So I hope you all are doing good. Oh, my God. Somebody Happy has Monday. to. Is it Monday? Yeah. Oh, it is Monday. You know what? It fucks me up when I work overnight. Because yeah. then I like, forget. Yeah, you lose a day. day it is, yeah. Yeah. So. Well, it wasn't a bad day today. It, it was a bad morning. I had whew, one hell of a night. Yeah. My new medication. Yep. Holy You're so sensitive fuck. to new meds. I know. Babe, it was bad. But I know. Thank you to my nephew, Josh, who came over and at four o'clock in the morning and fucking took care of me. It was six, but. Well, I woke up at four yeah. like that. Um. He better not say we don't give him any fucking shout outs anymore. Yeah, because like, we're giving him a lot. For real. <laughs> but him no, he, and Kate and like little Jackie are the only ones we don't have to explain who they are. Who you work with? Cause, well, yes, because they know I talk about them all the time. Yes. That, look, just I what I was saying, that I don't have to explain who they are. Yeah. But God, you're fucking crotchety. <sighs> Babe, shush. You are. <laughs> I'm good. Mm. I'm a little tired, though, because I just took my meds. It's a little late. Yeah. But we're going to knock this out. We are. We We are going to knock this out. And you know what? So I know what case we're going to do next, but I don't know the chick's actual name. So. Oh. Yeah. Um, But um, I stumbled across some information, some new information. New, not new, new to me. I don't even know what we're doing next, so I don't know we're what doing you're talking the, about. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not. I'm skipping that one. Um, I'm saying I stumbled across some new to me information about the Jean Benet Ramsey case. Oh, I think I might want to do it. Really? Yeah. Well. Yeah. Maybe we should do it. It's then. one of the detectives' uh, resignation letters. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. No shit. Oh, yeah. It's good, huh? Yeah, it is. So, like, enough right. to make me want to actually do the case, I think. Okay. Well, so. Maybe, uh, <clears throat> well, our next episode is a Patreon episode, yeah. so maybe we should save it for that. Maybe. Mm-hmm. We could, yeah. We could do that. Just saying. Yeah. Just saying. The next one, yeah, I, I gotta figure out the chick's name. I know what I'm doing. I know what it is. Yeah, that helps. (laughs) Good job, babe. God, I fucking suck. Good job. (laughs) God damn it. Oh, that monster looks good. Mm. I'm going to make fun of you, but it looks good. I did get you one for the morning. Oh, see, this is why we're married. You're welcome. Yeah, I love you. Mm Mm-hmm. You just got to get me some eggs for the morning. I will. I'll go get them. I feel like cooking scrambled eggs and bacon. 
eggs this morning, but mm-hmm. that got all yeah, up. that got fucked up by me. I mean, I still could have made them. I just didn't. No, I, 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 I planned on making them, but yeah, I, I was out of it. But thank you, Josh. I mean, he came over, put a fucking ice pack under my head. I, I did not know what was going on. He knew too, because I mean, it was six o'clock. He yeah. picked up the phone. What's wrong? <laughs> oh, did he really? Yeah. I mean, why the fuck else would I call him at six o'clock? Yeah, you know, and I, I, I was an hour away. Yeah, I know. Mom's an hour away. Like, none of us could get here quick. He's he's the closest one. Yeah. So. Yeah, I came close to just telling yeah. me to call an ambulance. Well, I mean, it would have taken longer to get my brother awake. Yeah. To get him here then. Yeah. So. Yeah, um, and then when I got home, all you guys, it was super cute. You guys were all knocked out on different fucking couches. Right. So. Uh, yeah. Yep. Anyway, so what what uh, what story you got for us today? We are doing. It is a request by multiple people, actually. Oh, okay. We we are doing the starved rock murders. Ooh, yes. all right. Yes. Yeah, I know this is a request. It is so. by a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. So it's a good one. Yeah. It's not. It's not yeah. bad. You told me a, a little bit about it, mm-hmm. and it, it is good. It's a little warm in here. Is it warm in here? You got a sweatshirt on. (laughs) Fucking dying. (laughs) Shit. Yeah, I got to take the sweatshirt off. So. All right. Spit into the microphone all you want. This is menopause, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, yeah. I love it. Menopause. It's great. Let me tell you. I love it. Oh, my God. Oh, God. Then it's a hoodie. You struggled. So I'm fucking choking. (laughs) Yeah. Struggled with that. I love hoodies. Like, I would live in hoodies. Yeah. Except. It's got to be the right weather for it. Well, that, and I also, after an hour, feel like I'm choking. Yeah. On the fucking hood. That's why I like zip-ups. I love grandpa sweaters. Yeah. Oh, my favorite. Mm. Mm. Yes. So good. It's <laughs> fucking cold here today. Yeah, it was. It was. S- Sunday was it, obnoxious. The temp is dropping quick. Yeah. Woohoo! In this area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mama's too fat for summer. I like it. I'm done. I like it. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I, I wish it didn't happen so quick. Like, it goes from 90 to fucking 60. 52, yeah. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there's like no 70 in there. You know, I could deal with that for like a month. I like 70s. I do too. But I like... 60s and oh, I, I like 60s yeah. too, and so. especially at the football games too, because I hate sitting out there. In the oh my heat. god, Sunday was terrible. <laughs> you know, that I'd if, rather it be cold than hot. Uh, if it rains long enough and hard enough, it comes through the umbrella. Oh yeah, yeah, we all found that out the hard way. <laughs> We're like, what are the fucking umbrellas leaking? Like, yeah. what is going on? Yeah, it was. But I'm telling you, the rain brought out something because every fucking Tri City team. One, oh, hey, every team won. That's These boys awesome. were we like, finally Let's won our first game of the, the season. Rain. Our first game of the season, finally, yeah. finally won it. But yeah, the rain was crazy. Oh, Did man. you see like the Bears game? How they were? That's what sliding. the boys wanted to do. Okay, that's your second yawn. I know. I'm Stop. Sorry. I'm the one that. I'm should sorry. Be when did I? Uh, what? <laughs> because I always yawn. Oh my god! I'm gonna fucking punch you in the face. <laughs> Oh, my God. I love you. You, you fucking better. <laughs> like, for real. Am I going to be in the pond tonight? Yeah, probably. I don't know, though, because it's raining. I don't want to get wet. for Jorge. Jorge! Oh, my God. Poor Alex. I know. Jesus Christ. He's so good to us. He really is. <laughs> like, We're such dicks. He should be like, God, you racist fucks. I know, right? But it's really just you, not me. Yeah, so. true. True. Mm-hmm. All right, won't you uh, start us off? Are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. All right. On March 16th, 1960, the calm of a serene state park was shattered when the bodies of three middle-aged women were found at the bottom of St. Now, I heard it pronounced St. Louis, but it's St. Louis, really, Canyon, in Starved Rock State Park. This we're would, in Illinois, in right? In Illinois. I'm getting there. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I, I didn't know if there was another one. Simmer down. No. No, this is Illinois. Okay. Did you not know that for real? I didn't know. Oh, yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, 
So this would become one of the most shocking events in the area's history. Months later, a man would confess to the brutal murders, then immediately take it back. Mm. That man spent the next 60 years in prison, professing his innocence the entire time. Was the right man really in prison? Mm. Mm. So, on March 14, 1960, Francis Murphy, 47, Mildred Lindquist, 50, and Lillian Oding, I believe is how you say it, 50, climbed into Francis's gray station wagon and made the hour and a half drive from Riverside, Illinois, to Oglesby, Illinois. The women were headed to Starbrock State Park for a much-needed, much-anticipated four-day getaway. Now, have you ever been there? I have. Have is you it, ever? You've n- never been there? No, I've oh, never been there. Oh, it's beautiful. Is it really? Beautiful. It's I've seen pictures, and it looks awesome. 2,630 acres. Oh, really? Yeah, and it got its name because um, of an Indian battleground. Mm-hmm. It's theorized that in the 17th century... Um, uh, uh, an Indian tribe killed their own leader. Oh, really? So, and then they ended up in hiding. They starved. No kidding. That's why it's called Starved Rock. Wow. The ones that did try to fight were obviously killed. Yeah. So, there's your history lesson. Wow, that's that's pretty good, babe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go. Not bad. So, the three women were very close, having similar marriages to prominent businessmen and attending the Riverside Presbyterian Church together. Lillian had spent the winter inside, nursing her husband George back to health after a heart attack. They were looking forward to spending some time outdoors, hiking and bird watching, which, fuck that, because I yeah. don't do cold activities. No. And these, these women were Hiking, skirts. I never was into no, that. fuck that. Yeah. They wore skirts. Why? Because it was the 60s. I don't fucking know. Oh. So um, they arrived at Starve Rock Lodge mm-hmm. around lunchtime. Now, Starve Rock Lodge is a very um, uppity at the time, uppity, hoity toity, like. Hoity toity? You've never heard hoity toity? No. Oh my God. <laughs> Ever? What the fuck the, is that? In the 47 years we've been together, I've never said that to you. Uh, yeah. Hey, babe. Hoity toity. Like uppity. Like rich. <laughs> yuppie? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yuppie. You could have said yuppie. I like hoity toity better. I've never heard that in my life. <laughs> I can't believe you've never heard that. No. Uh, well, now you know. Yeah. Um, one of the things it was known for was it has a massive, like, floor to ceiling yeah. fireplace, two sided fireplace. Yeah. So. Um, They took their luggage to the two rooms that they had registered to them and then headed down to the dining room for lunch. Despite being March, it was still cold as fuck and the park was covered in snow. This was the coldest March in history, still to date. In Chicago? No, in in LaSalle County. Okay. Uh, Still to date, though. Wow. Yeah, so... Um, the women commented, though, on what a beautiful day it was and headed out for a hike, bringing a camera and binoculars. After a mile or so, the ladies came to the dead end of St. Louis Canyon. Um, it's steep, rocky walls and a frozen waterfall. It's gorgeous. Yeah, I've, seen, see picture, picture. I've seen pictures of the waterfall. It's There's multiple. Oh, is there Oh, really? my God, there's multiple. We'll have to go one day. Yeah, why I'll have don't to we? get you a fucking wagon or some shit. Yeah, yeah I would love to see beautiful. that. Um, <clears throat> so Lillian took several pictures using Francis's camera. Later that evening... George tried calling uh, Lillian at the lodge just to give her a call. She was supposed to call him when she got there, and she didn't. He just assumed it kind of slipped her mind, and, you know, he just wanted to check on her, make sure that they were settling in and doing okay. Yeah. So he was told by a staff member that Lillian was not in her room. Uh, She had probably gone out again, and staff suggested that he call back in the morning. Now, what I heard from multiple, or what I read in multiple sources, that at this time in, in the 60s, Mm-hmm. Um, people would come like this was a big place to have affairs. Really? So the staff was trained to be discreet and to essentially lie. No yes, shit. Yes, to anybody that called. Dude, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't. That's crazy. One of the one of the podcasts I listened to, she works in hospitality, and she said, you know, we're basically we sign non disclosure agreements. Like we just have to tell them we don't know. But back then, yeah, they were trained to lie. No shit. Yeah. So 
we don't know like when the staff says oh you know we saw them blah 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 we don't know if they actually did because they were they were trained to lie about it wow yeah that's crazy isn't that fucked up yeah that is so the next morning on tuesday george called the lodge again and again he was told that lillian wasn't there the receptionist that answered told George that the three women were seen at breakfast but were not in the lodge at the moment and he would leave a room card. A bellboy went up to the room and left a card hanging on the doorknob. It's not known specifically what was on there, but it was something along the lines of there's messages at the desk and George has been calling. Um, now, we don't know if they were seen at breakfast mm-hmm. because of clothing. Some witnesses say that they saw the women wearing pants but the women were not wearing pants yeah. in the pictures that they found. So they don't they don't know if they were seen at breakfast. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> so that night, a late season winter storm hit the area, covering the park and St. Louis Canyon with several inches of snow. And by several, I mean like upwards of six. So the near blizzard conditions would continue all through the night. When Lillian still hadn't called by that evening, George grew concerned. He called the other husbands to see if they had heard from their wives. The other two men said that they hadn't spoken to their wives since they left the morning before. Uh, They all decided then that if they didn't hear from the women by that night, that they would call the lodge back in the morning. Yeah. So on Wednesday morning, George called the lodge. When told again that Lillian was not in the lodge. Jeez. (laughs) Come on. George insisted that staff enter the women's rooms. Yeah. Uh, when staff did enter the room, they found that the women's um, they found the women's bags, and it depends on the source. Some sources say the bags were unpacked. Mm-hmm. Some say they were packed. Okay. But either way, the beds were untouched. Yeah. So a check of the parking lot showed that the gray station wagon was also untouched where it had been parked on Monday. George realized at this point that his wife and her friends were missing for what could have been over 40 hours. Ooh. George hung up the phone and immediately called his longtime friend, Virgil Peterson. I love the fucking name, Virgil. Virgil? Um, I love it from Tombstone. Uh, I don't see, know. I think about wrestling in the Million Dollar Man. Was his name Virgil? No, his uh, chauffeur... Was Virgil? Bodyguard was... <laughs> yeah. Whatever you want to call him. Um, so this guy was the operating commander of the Chicago Crime Commission. Now, George was, he was pretty big. He worked at, um, at the time, was Illinois Bell. Yeah. Which is now AT&T. Yeah. So, <clears throat> Peterson immediately contacted state police and local law enforcement agencies, including the LaSalle County Sheriff's Department. Sheriff Ray Utsi began organizing search parties to look for the women. He accompanied one of the groups that immediately left for the park. At this time, local newspaper reporter Bill Danley was uh, wrapping up for the day for the last story, and he got a tip about the missing women. So he grabbed his camera and headed for the park. The previous night's storm had made the roads almost impassable, and they covered all of the park's trails with snow and ice. Many employees were participating in the search with the police, and some of those searching were also young boys from members of the Illinois Youth Commission Forestry Camp. Wow. Now... The Illinois what, what Youth, is that, like Boy Scouts? I did look it up, actually. Okay. Because some sources say that these boys were juvenile delinquents. And I'm really? like, so is this like a, like, a, like a camp? Yeah. It's not. The Illinois Youth Commission was actually formed in the 1930s to attempt to reduce the instances of juvenile delinquency. Wow. So it would like take them out in the community. So like a YMCA. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. So they weren't juvenile delinquents per se. They were trying to avoid it. I gotcha. Now, the newspaper reporter had actually been part of this Illinois Youth Commission Forestry Camp as a director when he was a teenager. Mm -hmm. So very shortly after the search started, searchers found (sighs) a gruesome scene. Excuse me. Yeah, whatever. The three women were found covered in snow. Uh, the snow now covered blood, footprints, and other vital pieces of evidence. Yeah. Up until this point, though, many of the searchers believed that the women had either gotten lost or had fallen. Because they're, they're yeah. women. Yeah. Well, yeah. They you can't guys, function. Yeah, yeah. of course. What, they went fucking hiked. <laughs> we wouldn't do that. <laughs> right. So, when Danley got to the park's west entrance, he saw a young boy running across an icy ravine towards the road. 
He followed the boy to a small parking area where several other young boys were gathered and talking about the bodies being found on one of the trails. He questioned them and then called the lodge and learned that law enforcement had gathered there. After calling the newspaper office, the story was hitting newswires across the country within minutes. Danley entered scene. Oh my God, Jack's is so loud on his (laughs) Xbox. He's playing with Josh, too. I know. Yeah. But when he wears his earplugs yeah. or his headphones, he can't hear anything. So He's loud. Danley entered St. Louis Canyon and was among those who got the first look at the bodies. Uh, immediately after discovering the bodies, Illinois State Police Chief William Morris called investigators from the Illinois Bureau of Investigation to help search the cave and determine if sexual assault had occurred. Because, again, they're women, so that's the first thing they assume. Of course. Which makes sense. I'm not yeah. judging. I'm just saying. Um. <clears throat> So, all right, I guess trigger warning on this. Yeah. The three women were found side by side on their backs under a small ledge. Their lower clothing had been torn to pieces. Mildred and Lillian had their skirts and their underwear removed. And their winter coats were stuck between their legs that had been posed spread wide open. Jeez. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Mildred and Lillian were tied together with heavy white twine. Oh, my God. Frances was bound in the same way, but separate, and the twine around her ankles was undone. Some clothing, or some articles of clothing, excuse me, were missing, and some were neatly stacked by the women, like they were folded and put next to them. Oh, that's weird. Do you remember where we heard that from before? No. The I-65 killer? Yeah. We think the, the girl did it. Just out of force a habit. Yeah. So I wonder if the women did it out of force a habit. Yeah. That's a because good call. they're they're housewives. Yeah. They're they're moms. Two of them were grandmothers, it. you know. Yeah, they're used to it. So now originally so they planned this trip the night before mm-hmm. after church services. And it was supposed to be five women going. Yeah. But two of them backed out at the last minute. I forgot to say that in the beginning. So um now <clears throat> one of the women was found with a fistful of hair. And another one was missing her fingertip. Jeez. Which is weird. Like, just random. Yeah. Just a random fingertip. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's weird. Yeah. All three women had been beaten so severely on and about the head that they were barely recognizable. It was later determined that each woman had been struck at least a hundred times. Oh, my God. So, now it's... Did they watch each other get beat? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that's that's comes in a lot. Um, the women were covered in blood and their exposed legs were already covered in bruising. A short distance from the body, LaSalle County State's Attorney Harland Warren found a frozen tree limb. It was about three feet in length, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, the limb and the snow beneath it were covered in blood, leading investigators to believe that this was the murder weapon. So the... Tree limb, because of the cold, they theorized was uh, harder, more rigid, so it wouldn't break as easily. It was probably harder to hit with. Mm-hmm. They also found a bloody icicle that they thought was a murder weapon. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Isn't that fucked up? That's terrible. That's like horror movie shit That right is. There. So, Jack Frost. Yeah. <laughs> so a blood trail, um, <clears throat> excuse me, there was a blood trail from the women to the limb. There was also some blood in the cave, but not what you would expect to see after looking at the women and how severely they'd been beaten. So the investigators theorized that the women were killed somewhere else, either deeper in the canyon or in a clearing. Uh, one of the theories was they were killed in a clearing and then left, but the person came back and dragged them over to the canyon so they wouldn't be found. Uh The canyon at this point, except where the women were laying, was covered in six inches of snow. But the women were covered in snow. Um, Excuse me. It had to be carefully removed from the women and the scene. You ready for this? Mm -hmm. Investigators were forced to use flamethrowers. What? (laughs) Uh, Christmas present. Hello. And brooms. Like, there's a big stretch between those two. Will you please get me I'm not buying you a fucking flamethrower. Oh, babe, please. So, investigators were forced to use flamethrowers and brooms, which ultimately damaged potential evidence, they believe, at the crime scene. Um, Little by little, though, a violent struggle was being revealed. Francis's camera was found 10 feet away with the case covered in blood and the strap broken 
broken to the point they feel like it was like yanked off of one of their shoulders. Yeah. Uh, they also find found their binoculars covered in blood. Now, these items being found led investigators to believe that this was not a robbery gone wrong. Uh, subsequent processing of the film showed that the women had taken several photos. Most were of the women standing in front of waterfalls and rock canyons. Uh, but the last photo on the roll was triple exposed. So I guess the knob on top of the camera was not turned all the way before taking another picture, uh, which caused it to be overlaid onto another frame. So the first frame was Francis and Mildred in front of a frozen waterfall overlaid on top of another frame, which they determined was a picture of a location close to the, the canyon where they were found. Yeah. Now, they did think at one point that they saw the shadow of a man's face in the picture, but they figured out that it wasn't that. So yeah. um, <clears throat> the women remained on scene for hours waiting for pathologists and crime lab officials. Unbeknownst to the investigators, Francis and Mildred's husbands came to the canyon. Uh, the men were not discovered until they cried when their wives' bodies were taken from the canyon oh, on a cloth geez. stretcher. I, I couldn't even imagine. Yeah. And the one had just had a heart attack. That's why he wasn't out there. So, oh, Jesus. Um, the women's bodies were taken to, I believe it's Holsey Funeral Home in Ottawa for examination and autopsy. Due to the cold and limited medical techniques, there was no evidence of rape that could be found. Yeah. But the doctors did state that the women had obviously been molested. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, doctors, Especially how they were found. But, I mean. Oh, just wait. Ooh. Just wait. Just wait. There's so, more. Doctors also determined that the cause of death was to be blunt force trauma and brain damage. With the time of death being, uh, was determined to be Monday the 14th, the day that they left, yeah. shortly after eating lunch. Now, this would be heavily questioned later because if that was the case, then they laid in the cold for two days, and then you can't determine an right. accurate cause of death. Right. So that was a big to-do. Uh, the investigation almost immediately went nowhere. There was a few clues and wild theories going around. Yeah. Uh, there was further confusion caused by the jurisdiction determination. State's attorney Warren technically was in charge, but state police maintained authority because the murder had occurred on a state park's property. Right. Uh, county and state butted, butted heads, but ultimately state would end up handling the case because of the county's inexperience with a crime of this magnitude. Oh, good. I'm, I'm glad that... They were smart enough back they then? They were smart enough to yeah. just give it up. Uh, Chief Morris told reporters he believed it would have been extremely difficult for one person to overpower and kill all three women who clearly put up a fight. And they were not meek, little, mild-mannered women. They were in, you know, in shape. They could have taken care of themselves. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> fear has now gripped the region. Doors that were never locked before are now being locked. They saw an increase in the sale of deadbolt locks and in guns. <laughs> Um, the number of guests at the lodge went down to almost nothing. They almost lost the I lodge. Believe that. Yeah, yeah. I uh, believe that. Motorists went out of their way to avoid the canyon entrance. Um, <clears throat> there were keys found on the trail, and there was an alleged sighting of a gray station wagon seen in the area where the women entered the park around the time they were murdered. But that really went nowhere. They mm. don't think it was very accurate. Um, continued media scrutiny kept pressure on the police to make progress. And Virgil Peterson did not help because he publicly criticized LaSalle County for not doing something sooner, i.e. the husbands were calling for two days. Why didn't you do anything? Uh, probably because the hotel staff was lying. Maybe, right. Maybe that's why. Yeah. But then he also was publicly criticizing them for not having police presence in the park to prevent it. They had never had police presence in the park prior. So, um, so there was a lot of pressure at the state's attorney's office. It was an election year. Money was tight, you know. And this guy's an attorney. He's not a detective. But he had felt such immense pressure. Uh, as a last-ditch effort, he used his own money to purchase a microscope to begin intently studying wow. the twine. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. More power to you, dude. So now he discovered that there were two kinds of twine. There was a 20-ply cord and a 12-ply cord. He also decided at that point that he didn't want anybody in his office helping him. 
So he handpicked two deputies, uh, Deputy Bill Demet and Deputy Wayne Hess, to help him and report to him and him alone. The deputies started in what they felt was the most logical place for the source of the twine, the Starbuck Lodge. Yeah. Duh. In September of 1960, they met with the manager of the lodge's kitchen. Within minutes and not much difficulty, both types of twine were found. They were used in that kitchen for wrapping food. Uh, Using the purchasing records, the deputies were able to track down the manufacturer, and without question, it was the same twine that was used in the kitchen that was used to bind the women. Wow. At this point, though, all lodge employees had already been given and passed polygraphs. So... Warren decided to hire a specialist from a prominent Chicago firm and called back all the employees that would have worked that worked the week of the murders. Yeah. So on September 23rd, 1960, they were all brought to a small cabin by the lodge and test uh, retested. They all passed. Wow. But one. Ooh. But one. All right. All right. Hang on, I gotta go up a little bit. Sorry, I thought I was there. Um, You should be sorry. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) So, so former dishwasher, 21-year-old Chester Otto Weger was brought in. Mm -hmm. When his test was completed, uh, Deputy, or excuse me, State's Attorney Warren noticed that the examiner's face had gone white. When Weger left the cabin, the technician looked to the two deputies and said, that's your man. Oh, wow. Now, Chester had already passed a polygraph. And now, supposedly, he failed this one. See, this is why I don't... I know. I know. It gets better. I'm not a fan of him. So, Chester was 21, married with two children. Uh, He'd worked at the park until that summer when he resigned to go into business um, with his dad as a house painter. Yeah. He remembered... The deputies remembered him from an earlier report, but nothing other than... He had been one of the workers, mm-hmm. and that that's pretty much it. Um, the one thing that stuck out to people was he had shown up on March 15th to work with some scratches on his face that appeared to be fresh scratches. Yeah. He said that he cut himself shaving, though. Hmm. So he also said that during the time of the murders, he was getting his hair cut. Yeah. And when he was done getting his hair cut, he went back um, to the lodge and went to the basement and was doing some correspondence, was writing mm, letters. That's convenient. But he couldn't have fucking killed three f- women like that in an hour. Yeah. Yeah. So. Hmm. Well, now, he did have a jacket that appeared I to mean, have I've some. I've seen crazier I'm, things. I know. So. Me too. Me too. Uh, um, <clears throat> so he had a, a jacket that had some suspicious dark spots stains on it mm-hmm. um it was confirmed as blood however whether it was animal blood or human blood was heavily disputed later on mm. it's the 60s you can't yeah. really tell right right so three days later on september 26th they subjected chester to four more back-to-back polygraph tests what yes Oh, come now, on. We're, we said the other day, when you are under duress, your IQ drops 20 points. Yeah. Okay. This man already was not the sharpest fucking right. crayon in the box. And you're going to put him like... Back to back to back to back. Yeah. Yeah. That's... Come on. I mean, you're going to fail one of them. Yeah. That's just how that fucking the, works. Right. It's not a multiple fucking choice test, you know? Right. So... When they determined that that there was blood on his jacket, they didn't know, obviously, whether it was human or animal. They put him under surveillance. So after they started the surveillance, the state's attorney had the two deputies check into his past and see if there were other similar crimes in the area. Uh, Six months prior to this murder, there were two high school students who were on a date um, in a nearby state park, not at Starbrock, really. Mm -hmm. Um, They were robbed at gunpoint while getting into their car. Mm. They, um, when they reported the crime, they said that they were tied up by a man with a rifle in the woods and he had been hiding in the shadows. Yikes. Yeah. He then, um, he robbed him and removed the female from the car and sexually assaulted her. Oh, Jesus. Um, when they first went to the LaSalle County Sheriff's Office, they, the deputies didn't believe him and they just brushed him off. Oh, nice job. Yeah. As as bullshit. Yeah. Great police work. Um, 
<clears throat> with the state's attorney's approval, they tracked down the female and she identified Chester Wagner as the assailant, mm. which again comes under dispute. Yeah. Uh, despite the positive ID, they waited to charge him because of his reelection. Dude. Now, here's the thing. Oh my God. Now, his reasoning behind it, I get. He said he waited because he didn't want any. Not attention, but he didn't he didn't want the arrest to be mistaken as a publicity stunt versus an actual arrest of a criminal. Yeah. Okay. So he okay. left him under surveillance surveillance. Uh he ended up losing the election by thirty five hundred votes. Whoops. Yeah. Uh for the entire month of October though, Chester I I cannot say the name Chester. Chester. Yeah. Um Lester. He was under 24-hour surveillance oh. and literally went from, sorry, from work to home. That's it. Yeah. Sounds like me. Go ahead. Turn my location on. That's, I'm at home yep. on 80. <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe at Target and at Walmart. Yeah. So, um, so he obviously was replaced in office and on November 16th of 1960 the police used the young woman's positive ID of Chester and arrested him for sexual assault and robbery. Mm. Um <clears throat> they believed after arresting him that he would confess to the crime and the Starbuck murders. So the state's attorney made sure that his deputies knew how to interrogate this guy and if I was these two deputies I'd be like dude for real I got this. Right. It's my it's my job. Right. I'm good. So they were told to just ask him a few questions, but don't formally charge him yet. Um, <clears throat> they did not start questioning him about the rape and the murders until he was officially in custody. They kept him in the interrogation room until past midnight. And then when he was tired by all the questions, he stopped mid-sentence and asked to see his family. A police car was uh, dispatched to his parents' home, picked them up, and brought them back. Now, this is 1960. Brady violations, the, the, the trial that determined, you know, Brady violations, didn't happen until 1965. Mm. Keep that in mind. Okay. <clears throat> so, um, on November 17th, when uh, Mr. and Mrs. Wegger came to the door to see Chester. Um, Chester. Chester. The deputy said that he could tell something was bothering Chester. Yeah. So he said, why don't you tell me about it? Oh, yeah. It's just the two of us. I bet you put his hand. It's he probably put his hand on his shoulder, too. Yeah. So Chester immediately said, all right, all right, I did it. I got scared. Oh, Jesus. I tried to grab their pocketbook. They fought and I hit them. Mm-hmm. It was not a pocketbook. It was a camera. Right. So, <clears throat> he then was taken to the canyon to do a fucking reenactment. What? Yeah, in front of a large group of newspaper and radio reporters. Oh, because that's normal. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was in the 60s. Dude, so, what So, what he said happened... your phone yeah. blown up? What he said happened was... What had happened was... What had happened was... He saw them... Um, he went into the park with a mission to rob someone. When he saw them, he attempted to steal what he thought was a purse, but was actually a camera strap on mm -hmm. Francis Murphy's shoulder. Yeah. Uh, he didn't realize it was a camera strap until it broke. He, he then begged the woman to go further into the canyon and give him time to escape. The women agreed and walked deeper into the canyon. Chester then apparently decided to continue following oh, the woman. Chester. Yeah, and near the end of the canyon, next to a cave, he jumped out of the woods and threatened them again with a large tree limb and told them to get into the cave that he was going to have to tie them up. He did say that he stole the twine from Starbrock. Yeah. Um, he said he originally planned to leave them in the cave, but as he was leaving, Francis broke free and ran after him, trying to hit him with the binoculars. <laughs> At a girl. At a girl. Right. Uh, Wegger then said he picked up the tree limb and hit Frances on the back of her neck and dragged her body back to the mouth of the cave, which they already don't think happened because yeah. there wasn't enough blood in there. So, right. Um, <clears throat> when he got back to uh, where the other two women were, he found out that they were able to stand up 
despite their bindings, Mm -hmm. and that they came after him and tried to claw his face. Nice. Go for the eyes, ladies. Go for the fucking eyeballs. Eyes and balls. That's what I'm saying. Yep. Uh, He then realized that this was way out of control and he could not leave any of them alive because that's a normal fucking next reaction to Mm -hmm. that. Uh, He told the reporters and police that all three victims begged for their lives as he beat them to death with a frozen tree limb. But how? Yeah. This guy was like a buck 20, soaking wet. It'd be like, like three women coming after your ma. Yeah, but you don't know someone's strength. I know. I know. He could be 125 pounds and be fucking strong as fuck. So he said that he checked their pulses to ensure they were dead. They were dead. And he was asked why he dragged the bodies under the over- overhang. And he said that he had spotted a small red and white airplane flying low over the park. He said he was afraid it was a state police plane, so he moved the bodies so they could not be seen from above. Now, police later followed up on this detail... And confirmed that there was a red and white airplane that had flown out of Ottawa Airport over the canyon on that afternoon. Mm. So, but if he was working that day, he would have seen it, too. Yeah. So, um, he continued to do the reenactment um, and said before leaving the area, he partially undressed Mildred and Lillian to make the scene appear as if a sexual predator had committed the murders. So, he didn't sexually assault them. According to him. Yeah. He then washed his hands with a scoop of snow and went back to the lodge to start his dishwashing shift at 5 p.m. Obviously, none of the jewelry or purses had been taken because they were up in the room. Yeah. They had left them all up there. They were going fucking hiking. Um, <clears throat> when police asked him why he hadn't robbed the women of the camera and the binoculars, he wouldn't say. He, he just would say, it all started with robbery, but I don't know what I needed the money for. Everybody needs money. Um, On November 19th, 1960, three days after uh, his first meeting with his court-appointed attorney, he changed his story and recanted his confession. He said that he had been in Oglesby at the time of the killings and had been, quote, duped and coerced into the so-called confession. Yeah. He said that Demet and Hess had threatened him with violence, and he had been so scared he signed the papers. I could believe it. Yep. He also said that he was fed information about the airplane. Yeah. I, it, it's I all to- plausible. Yeah. I, I Very much so. Totally believe it. So on November 18th, a grand jury um, in LaSalle County indicted Chester for three counts of first-degree murder and eight other felonies related to the 1959 sexual assault and robbery of the high school wow. couple. Wow. Because they did things at the same time back then, apparently. Wow. Um, Okay. Some of his other felonies were for a purse snatching in another state park and the molestation of a woman and her children. What? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. There's not a lot on that. Like, there's just... Yeah, I was going to say, what the fuck is that all about? They kind of threw it in there, and then you go to look for it, and you're like, what? What? <laughs> There's nothing. Fuck, that's a lot to yeah. just not give me fucking anything. I mean, you go from a purse snatching to the molestation of a woman and her children? Right. I mean, is he just walking around touching everything? I guess. I Oh, babe. I don't know. Guys, he's like bossing me around. I know. Open the window. Are you ready? I'm sweating in here Do I now. fucking look ready? I got, I got my headphones in my goddamn hand, not on my head. <laughs> Jesus. Babe. Stop rushing lo- me. You love me, though. You rush me with everything. You love me. Every day. Are, are, you, are, are we going to record today? <laughs> well, I haven't opened my computer in four fucking days, so I'm going to go with a solid right. fucking no on that one. You know how I got through this today? Adderall. Oh. Yeah. Dr. Molly. For the win. Nice. Yeah. And then I found out how much my friend's taken. Molly's fucking jipping me, man. Really? Yeah, I gotta go back. I'm sure you'll... Yeah. You'll get up. So. Does it help, though? Um, or is it too early to tell? The dose she gave me? Eh. Kind of low. Doubled? Yes. Significant okay. difference. Okay. Like, yeah. That's good. Like, in the zone. That's good. That's how I get shit done. I don't know. I've only taken it three days, so whatever. Uh, but that's how I got through this today. Gotcha. So, yeah. Uh, I was going strong, man. 
You were. And then I hit a wall. <laughs> I was like, oh, I can't see out of my right eye. I got to lay down. <laughs> so uh, his trial began on January 20th, 1961. Uh, it was presided over by Judge Leonard Hoffman. And he was being threatened with the death penalty. Wow. Obviously. Uh, the new state's attorney, Robert Richardson, was the lead prosecutor and was assisted by Anthony Reculia. Mm-hmm. Probably fucking butchering that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, these two men had never Julia tried... Julia Yeah. They had never tried a murder case before, either one of them. So they brought in the former state's attorney, Harlan Warren, as a special prosecutor for the case. Um, <clears throat> but Richardson, who strongly criticized Warren during the election, obviously, because he was running against him, was like, yeah, I don't think that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. No. They did decide, though, to only file charges for one of the three murders, which they do that a lot, I noticed, because in the event of a mistrial or an acquittal, they still had two other murder yes. charges that they could go after. For. Yes. Um, the uh, Jessica Chambers. Yeah. Same thing. They have him in yep. Louisiana now, cause, and exactly the state's right. attorney's like, we could get him on for life for yeah. the three strikes rule. So it's, it's not unheard of. It's very smart. Yeah. So... Mm. Got a puff. Sorry. I need my vape. Chester's lawyer maintained that his client was innocent, though, and that the police had pretty much fucked up the investigation from the start. Um, He claimed that they were prejudiced and they had no credible physical evidence linking him to the crimes, and once they focused in on him, that was it. They didn't look at anybody else. Um, How the defense team really didn't... They tried to get his confession thrown out. It didn't work. Mm-hmm. However, they were able to successfully argue that the jurors should not be able to see the crime scene photos. Um, wow. Yeah. Okay. So those weren't, the jurors didn't see it. Um, they were only allowed to see one photo of the victims in the cave, and it was Jesus not one that God. really showed anything other than one of the women being brought out. Um, and the defense even still claimed that that one was inflammatory and would, quote, prejudice the jury against the defendant. Mm. Um, wow. <clears throat> the investigators admitted soon after that the state lab made an error in identifying the blood stain on his jacket as from being from an animal. Mm-hmm. So before the trial, they sent the jacket to the FBI's lab in Washington, and the results came back that the stain could be human blood, but the experts could not rule out animal blood due to the tanning process of the leather. Interesting. Yes. The FBI agent who testified said it appeared someone had tried very hard to wash the stain to remove whatever blood had soaked into it. Uh, Chester was put on the stand, which doesn't happen now. Ever, yeah. Usually. You don't put a fucking no. murder suspect on, on the stand. Fuck no. Um, he was on the stand for over three hours, which is <laughs> next to nothing. Jody Aries was on the stand for like nine days. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so. If they if if the suspect is going to go on the stand, it's going to be oh they're going to fucking tear him apart. Yeah, it's it's so when be you for were four, right? You shit your pants in first grade. Yeah, right. <laughs> so he was on the stand for You're three really hours. Sucking on that thing. I'm gonna fucking punch you. <laughs> Are you done? Uh, for now. Okay. Um, he maintained his innocence and maintained his claims that he was threatened by LaSalle County. Uh, deputies. Wow. The trial lasted five weeks. So after five weeks of trial, the jury deliberated for 10 hours. And then on March 3rd, 1961, the jury found Chester guilty of Lillian Oding's murder and sentenced him to life in prison. Wow. According to Illinois law at the time, he was eligible for parole after serving 20 years of that sentence and the death penalty was rejected. Mm-hmm. Um, now, for parole, you have to show remorse. Yeah. Which is, I did not know that until yeah. very recently. Um, <clears throat> but after the jurors were dismissed, a reporter asked him if they knew what a life sentence in Illinois meant, um, meaning that he would be eligible eligible for parole in a few years. Yeah. They said that they were not informed of that by the court. Really? They were great at this. Yeah. You want to know where he went to jail? Or where? prison? State, Stateville, Statesville. Yeah. Yep, penitentiary in Joliet. Mm. He was denied parole after he was first eligible in 1972. Yeah. Uh, he appealed the conviction and requested a fresh trial after a juror um, 
after, excuse me, after a juror from the first trial co-signed the affidavit and suggested that LaSalle County deputies pressure the jury into finding him guilty. Wow. The juror was willing to testify that rules of trial procedure were violated. The state then announced it was going to try uh, Chester for Francis and Mildred's murder. So now they're like, well, fuck you. Right. You're going to appeal. We're going to come after you then. Right. Um, In 1962, the Illinois Supreme Court affirmed the trial court's decision and did not grant him a new trial, Mm -hmm. which is fucked because constitutionally he should have gotten one. Um, But in February of 1963, LaSalle County was forced to drop all charges for the 1959 rape and robbery of the high school couple. Mm. Um, In April of 1963, a new LaSalle County state's attorney dropped the remaining murder indictments for Francis and Mildred. Um, There was reluctance from the Illinois state legislature to impose the death penalty. Yeah. I don't know why. Hmm? Burn them bitches. Yeah. Just saying. Forget the sponge. Right? Um, <clears throat> Chester wrote a, he wrote a 48-page letter in prison, and in it he claimed that he was framed for the Starved Rock murders and went into detail about how authorities coerced him into making the false confession. Um, <clears throat> when reporters asked him about the previous convictions, he said that he was coerced into those confessions also. Yeah. So you're just innocent all around, is what he's saying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can do one without the other. You can. Yeah. Yeah. So he sits in prison and sits in prison and sits in fucking prison. And he is there for 60 fucking years. Holy fuck. (laughs) Yeah. A fucking lifetime. He has been, uh, he's now, or he was, excuse me, in prison at the uh, Illinois River Correctional Center in Canton. He was denied parole two dozen times. Since 1972. Well, and because he stated his, his innocence. He did. So, there, it's 50-50. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that are like, he is fucking innocent. Right. And then there's a lot of people that are like, he is He's not. fucking guilty. Right, exactly. <laughs> right. So, um, there's a lot of questions that remain unanswered. A lot of people feel that the evidence used to convict him would not stand up in court today, which mm-hmm. I don't think it would. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I really don't think it, other than he had access to the twine. That's what they convicted him on. He had wow. access to the twine, well, in his false confession. Yeah. Access to the twine and scratches on his face. Mm. But some people say that the scratches appeared to be razor burn. But there's a difference. There's a distinct there's, difference between yeah. scratches and razor burn. I don't know. There's a big difference. So his prosecution um, obviously was based largely off his confession, which predated Miranda warnings also. Oh, yeah. I can't remember what year Miranda Yeah, I can't remember. Was, but I know Brady year. was 1965. Yeah. Um, the biggest question, though, is how such a small, slight man like him could overpower three middle-aged, in-shape uh, women. I, I've s- then move the bodies by himself. I've seen crazier shit, though. I know. I know. Um, others that believe in his ignocence. Ign- what's ignocence? In his hey. innocence. Hello. Point to a, quote, deathbed confession that allegedly occurred sometime between 1982 or 1983. A Chicago police sergeant named Mark Gibson submitted an affidavit in 2006 that recounted the confession. Wow. Motherfucker, that's like 20-something years. Yeah. Why are you holding on to that? It's longer than that. This is not your deathbed confession. Right. (laughs) um, Now, this is what they're using to support a motion for new DNA testing. Mm. So, he has a new attorney. Okay, well, the the deathbed confession. Okay, Gibson said that he and his partner, now deceased, were called to Rush St. Luke's Presbyterian Hospital to see a terminally ill patient who wanted to, quote, clear his conscience. Uh, Clear her conscience, excuse me. The affidavit stated, quote, the woman was lying in a hospital bed. I went over toward her and she grabbed hold of my hand. She indicated that when she was younger, she had been with her friends at a state park when something happened. The woman told Gibson that she was at a park in Utica, which is right by Oglesby. Right. Um, and things, quote, got out of hand. Multiple victims were killed and they, quote, dragged the bodies. Wow. 
Gibson said that the woman's daughter cut the interview short, short shouting that her mother was, quote, out of her mind and ordering the police from her room. In the affidavit, Gibson did not provide the exact date of the interview or the woman's name. But said oh, he, good job. But said he passed the information along to a detective. Good job. Yeah, we know how that goes. Uh, the, the affidavit did not address whether or not there was any follow-up or why the confession was not brought about until 2006. The alleged, quote, confession was not allowed into court hearings, although new DNA tests were ordered. None of it failed to clear Chester of anything because the samples have been corrupted over the years. Yeah. So he now has a new attorney. Uh, his name is Andy Hale. Now, mm-hmm. Andy Hale is a, um, I forgot what kind of attorney he is. Defense? No. Mm, I don't know. Um, it's a fancy name. So he was actually, um, he was he was defending a man or or representing a man who yeah. had been in prison for 45 years proclaiming his innocence. Yeah. He had been denied parole and the next day this attorney Andy Hale sees on the front page of the Tribune that Chester Wagner had also been denied parole after being in jail for 50 some odd years at that point for something he didn't do. Yeah. So he said that he started comparing the two cases and realized that they were mirror images of each other. So he reached out to Chester in prison. Oh, wow. And said, listen, I'm representing this guy. Your shit is the exact same thing. So mm. now they tried to do DNA testing on the hair that was in her hands. It's yeah. all it's all shit. They can't test anything. They Why? Because Be- the the state of it isn't isn't good. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, uh, even if it's damaged, I, I would think you could still test it. But- I don't know. So in November of 2019, after 24 tries, Chester Wagner was granted parole, and has since been released to prison or from prison to a halfway house for elderly former convicts. No, he kidding. now lives with his brother. Okay, so and he's like ninety <clears throat> years old. He was eighty three when he was released. From, oh my god! He was released from prison. So now I still want to know what happened to the tip of the finger. Nobody knows, dude. What the fuck? No, nobody knows. So <clears throat> a lot of people, obviously, there's theories of how he's innocent. There's theories of how he's he's guilty. Um, but they did try, like I said, the DNA testing in 2004, uh, but withdrew the motion after the evidence was shown to have been improperly stored and potentially corrupted. Um, they're now trying to get it retested because his attorney Hale is saying that testing technology has continued to advance. Um, but a lot of the evidence was well-maintained, so they Mm -hmm. should give it another try. Yeah. They're still trying to get permission. To do so. Wow. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I mean, what does it matter now? The dude is fucking out. Well, yeah, that's the thing. So um, they did, however, la- it was November of 2020. Yes. They um, <clears throat> they were able to get approval to test eight pieces of evidence from the crime scene, mm-hmm. including some of the hairs that were found in one of the woman's hands. Um, and also some on the floor of the cave and cigarette butts. Wow. All but one were not testable. <laughs> really? Yeah. The only testable bit of evidence was a hair found on the left index finger of uh, one of the women's gloves. The same hand where authorities said that it was uh, Frances Murphy. Her fingertip had been cut off and never recovered. wonder if it was an animal or something. Mm, I don't know. But you ready? Yeah. Chester Wagner is excluded as a possible contributor of the DNA profile no obtained shit. from that sample. <sighs> That's according to the report. So he's got to be innocent of that. Mm-hmm. So now they are seeking to get permission to compare the DNA from the hair um, to anything that they could find in the CODIS database. Right. To see if it's going to possibly match an offender. 
Uh, his attorney stated, quote, in my mind, his hair not being Chester Wegner's combined with everything else that I've learned is the final piece of the puzzle. Yep. In my mind, conclusively, he had nothing to do with these murders. Yeah. That's wow. where we stand. That's, oh, man. Mm-hmm. 60 <sighs> years. I mean, if if he didn't do it, this poor fucking, fucking guy, guy. Right. Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, his life is gone. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, I've seen crazier things. So, that's the, man, that's the what a thing. fucked up case. It it really, it really is. I mean, especially because, first of all, he lived long enough to see yeah. DNA evidence testing yeah. come to what it is today. But, and it, it sucks. Like, you live that fucking long to see the advancements. Mm. And all of it's shit. Yeah. Because it was all stored in fucking paper envelopes. <laughs> oh, my God. But, you know, they didn't know at that time. No, they didn't. And DNA no. wasn't a thing at that time. So they... Now, here's the kicker. They didn't know. In 2021, HBO uh, aired a documentary on this case, and mm. it was called The Murders at Starved Rock. Yeah. Do you want to know who uh, created, produced, and directed it? Who? The son of one of the original prosecutors. Really? <laughs> Isn't that fucked up? <laughs> yep. Damn. Mm-hmm. Yep. What a fucked yep. up case. Yeah, it is. The whole thing is fucked up. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't know which way I'm swinging. There's so many things. So, like, you know, if you look at guilt, he confessed. Yeah. He saw a red and white plane. Yeah. Um, he had blood on his jacket that could be human, may not be. We don't fucking know. But then on the innocence, now there's the DNA doesn't the DNA doesn't match. But doesn't. before that, there was a, an overheard phone call with two men talking about the murders mm-hmm. and a pair of bloody overalls that somebody had to dispose of. Yeah. Uh, the possible deathbed confessions and possible mob ties. We always get five minutes from the end. And shit happens. Jackson has to pee. The dog just drank a gallon of fucking water. Right. <laughs> Jesus. It's like the pee scene from uh, A League of Their Own. Yeah, right. We're just kind of staring at each other waiting for him to fucking stop. <laughs> right. Jesus Christ. So, all right. So, that is uh, the Star of Rock Murders. He was granted parole in November of 2019. He was finally released in February 2020. Wow. And then got locked down like a week later because of COVID. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> Poor guy. <sighs> and I'm sorry, I apologize. He lives with his sister, not his brother. Sister and brother-in-law. Yeah, if, if he's innocent, this poor fucking guy. Isn't it? And I mean, you could look at it either, either way. Yeah. And the, either I, way. I, I really don't know which way I'm, no. I'm turning. And I mean, we all know so much about false confessions because mm-hmm. it's such a thing now. It wasn't a thing then, obviously. And... This was predating Miranda. It was predating Brady, and he was interrogated yeah, for over twenty four hours. Exactly. So he, he could have been forced. He a hundred fucking percent. I mean, there's people that are interrogated for six hours that get forced into it. Yeah. You know. So. Which you know now we know better. Right. But then they they didn't care. That, exactly. So that was the way to do things. Mm-hmm. He <sighs> still maintains his innocence, though. So I, I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, realistically, physical evidence-wise, no. There's nothing tying him. Right. You can't prove that the blood was human. The hair's not his. You you can't prove yeah. shit. Wow. Circumstantial, even circumstantial's like it's tough. Uh, even that's a tough one. Yep. So mm. yeah. that was good. This was a really good case, babe. Yeah. So. Everyone who requested it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. This was an interesting one. So, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed it. The next two are are highly requested also. Okay. All right. Seems like I remember the name. Well, next episode will be a Patreon exclusive. Yeah. uh, Yeah, you guys will be hearing hearing from us soon. Yep. Give us a couple days. 
I'm uh, trying without you, Mark rushing me. Yeah, I'm sorry, babe. No, you're not. Don't say that you are. You're not. Like, not even a fucking little bit. I love it. I wake up after working for 12 hours or, like, working overnight. And, uh, I need to do this today, and we're going to record today, and I need you to do this, this, and this. What? <laughs> the fuck? Oh, mm-hmm. babe, you love me. Oh, my God. Somebody else. All right, guys, you could find us on Facebook at JM Cash or Death Do Us Part Podcast, Instagram, DDUP underscore podcast. Po- podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else we got? Gmail. Gmail, DDUP Podcast dot one at gmail.com. And Patreon, www.patreon.com. Backslash backslash sorry is it forward slash or forward slash right i don't, I don't that's know that's back right forward back yeah sure it's forward slash forward yes. slash death do us part number one yeah so uh hit us up with more requests Mm-hmm. and i'm getting my shit together guys yeah you are adderall's getting my shit together yeah dude it's the good stuff oh my god <laughs> Like, now I get it. Yeah. I get why college students snort this shit to study for four days. Well, don't get crazy No, like no, 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 that, no, no. But... I know. I'm just saying. I understand. Yeah. Like, man, it does It does its job. Yep. All right, guys. So. Hope you enjoyed this episode, and we will be talking to you soon. Bye. Bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.